I, I've just been thinking about what has been happening this week and what confusion and betrayal of scripture there has been within, within the, the, the churches. Will there be a split in the church of England? I, don't, I honestly don't think there will be. And why I say that, I, I got a list the other day of various things that have happened in the last 50 years. And it has been an erosion of scriptural truth, bit by bit by bit. And that's the way it happens. You know, we lived in a house, uh, we had a house down at the sea in, in, in Ireland. And I got the, the deeds, when I bought the place, I got the deeds. And the garden, it was right on the sea coast. And the garden was about 300 yards long or something. But when I went down, it was only about 50 feet. Because slowly, bit by bit by bit, it had fallen into the sea. That's the way it worked. Nobody really noticed it. A little bit this year, a little bit next year, a little bit the year after. Before you know where you are, the garden was only about the length of this, this room. Still there. <laughs> Got rid of it before it <laughs> fell into the sea. But seriously, that's what happens. And that's what happens with truth. Truth is eroded a little bit and a little bit and it doesn't happen all at once. And I thought I would just refer to a few of the things that have happened. In 1953, the Archbishop of Canterbury, William Temple, in his book Nature and God, said, there is no such thing as revealed truth. No such thing as revealed truth. God has revealed the truth in his word, but he said, there's no such thing as revealed truth. And everything went on just the same. There was a bishop called James Pike in 1960. He said the doctrine of the Trinity is outdated, incomprehensible, and non-essential. Matter of interest, Billy Graham spoke at his church and had him at one of his crusades. The Trinity was, the doctrine of the Trinity was non-essential. Ramsey, I met Ramsey, Archbishop Ramsey one time, but in 1961 he said, heaven is not a place for Christians only, I expect to see many present day atheists there. And nobody, nobody makes a comment. In the same day, year, Bishop Pike, James Pike, called the virgin birth of Christ a primitive myth. And said that Joseph was probably Jesus' real father. He also said that Adam and Eve and the Garden of Eden and Heaven and Hell are myths. So you see, this is the way it, it is slowly eroded. And again, Billy Graham had him on his platform in the 1975 crusade. In 1978, Desmond Tutu in South Africa, now he was probably the only non-evangelical bishop in the whole of Africa. The African bishops are 100% practically evangelical, Bible-believing people. But Desmond Tutu was the exception. He thought that the Holy Spirit shines through Mahatma Gandhi, who's a Hindu. He also said it may be that Jesus was an illegitimate son. And nobody 
he's held in high esteem. Robert Runcie in 1982 said that he was, an, he was an agnostic as to why Jesus suffered on the cross. And then of course we have David Jenkins who was the Bishop of Durham in 1984. He described Christ's resurrection as a conjuring trick with, with bones. That's what he said about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He also said the Christian is not bound up, the Christian is not bound up with freak biology or corpses getting up and walking around. You don't have to believe in the virgin birth. Nineteen eighty four, the Associated Press reported that only twenty of thirty one Church of England bishops polled insisted that Christians must accept Jesus as both God and man. 1986, David Jenkins again got a standing ovation from the General Synod of the Church of England when he defended his doubts about the virgin birth and bodily resurrection of Christ. So you see what I'm getting at. There's been this slow thing. And the evangelical so-called Archbishop of Canterbury, George Curley, lashed out at fundamentalists who placed the Bible above and beyond human inquiry. And that same year, the Church of England said, Hell is not a place of fire and eternal torment. And Harry's, the, the Bishop of Oxford, in, 19, in 2002, said we should pray to God the mother. So you see all these things have eroded biblical truth. So there won't be, there'll be a fuss for a few weeks and then there'll be a fudge. <coughs> I could say more about that but I think we should be aware of what's happening. Be aware of what's happening. I'm skeptical about anything happening. But enough of that. You know, I was thinking another thing this week, and I thought this was just something I thought about. The Christian life is not one of the way the world looks at a day. We get up in the morning and we go to bed in the evening. But you know, in the Bible it's the other way around. The evening and the morning. The Christian life is looking forward to not the evening, we're looking forward to the morning. And that's, that's wonderful. We have evergreen clubs and eventide clubs and all that thing, always looking forward on the, the dark side of life. But the Christian life starts with the evening and goes forward to the morning. Jesus, uh, God, when he created the heavens and the earth, he, he, he said in the first day, the evening and the morning was the first day. The evening and the morning was the second day. Until the seventh day. He doesn't say the evening and the morning was the seventh day. No, that speaks to us of God's rest and our rest in heaven. When we go to heaven, there'll be no end to it. There's no evening and morning in heaven. We're a morning religion. Christianity is something we look forward to in the morning. We look forward to the, 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 the bright and morning star, Jesus Christ, appearing. And I thought that just encouraged us. 
It says, Joy cometh in the morning. Weeping may endure for a season, but joy comes in the morning. We may have a rough time down here, but we look forward to the morning. Our life is evening and morning, not morning and evening. And it was just, <laughs> just the thought I had. In Romans it says, The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. In Revelations it says, I am, Jesus said, I am the root and offspring of David, the bright and morning star. We have something to look forward to as Christians. That was just by the way. I was going to speak uh, earlier on in the week about the security of Christians. And we've been trying to get through some very basic things, haven't we? Things that we all need to know about. Basic things about the Christian walk. And I started thinking about other things then. God obviously led me to speak about other things. I started reading a few essays on conversion. And this focused my mind on conversion. Very basic. Conversion. We, we re hear of people falling away and we wonder why. Why did that person who was so keen, that person who was so active, why have they gone away from the Lord? Happened even with Paul. Demas, he said, hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. Paul was a prisoner. Demas went off, left him. We've all seen it happen so often amongst our friends, haven't we? Conversion. To be converted. To turn oneself around. That's what it means. The very foundation of our faith in Christ Jesus must be on the correct basis. Is that the reason? Are some of these people who have fallen away, have they not started off right? Is that the reason? Jesus said in Matthew 7:18, "A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. Neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. By their fruit ye shall know them." People say they're Christians. You look at them. It's by their fruit, Jesus said. If they're apple trees, they'll be producing apples. If you're a Christian, you should be producing the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life. That's, that's, that's what counts. It's not what people say they are. You know, Kellogg's have a big van going round and it says, what it says on the outside, it's what it is on the inside. <laughs> Meaning they're cornflakes. If it says cornflakes on the outside, Kellogg's cornflakes, Kellogg's cornflakes on the inside. If we say we're Christians on the outside, we must produce, well, inside must produce what's on the outside. The foundation must be correct by their fruit. You know, we're going to study this and it's not going to, we're not going to get finished it today. It's going to take us a few weeks. But I'm, I'm looking forward to this because I want to find out something from this little study. We're going to have to concentrate. And I trust we'll all learn something this morning. Today's talk is very solemn, actually. It's going to be very solemn sobering 
said here it will require concentration. We won't get through it in one day. Look up Luke. Luke's Gospel, chapter 6. There's a story there. Parable. We'll skip around a little bit today, maybe. 6.48 But he that heareth Verse 48 47 Whoso cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man which built a house and digged deep and laid the foundation on a rock and when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. This man digs deep into the scriptures. He searches them till he finds out the scheme of salvation through Jesus Christ. That's what he's done. He's searched deeply into scripture. He's seen that Christ is there and that's the means of his salvation. That was hidden God. The, the old people didn't, the Old Testament people didn't know about this. This was something which was revealed in Jesus Christ. It was hidden in the Old Testament. It was a mystery, Paul says. And then when he finds Christ, he, he discovers he's the rock of ages. It's really Christ finding him, of course. Christ has sought, he says, I came into the world to save sinners. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And he builds the hope of his eternal salvation on Jesus Christ on that foundation on Christ the solid rock I stand all other ground is sinking sand conversion you have to start on the right foundation why is conversion so important I'll tell you why because Jesus said it Matthew 18 verse 3 Jesus said Verily, truly I say unto you Verily I say unto you This is the truth He didn't tell anything else but the truth But then he says it, he reinforces it Except ye be converted Ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven I say unto you, ye must be born again you cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven unless you're converted. So that's why it's so important that we know about it. Paul took this, uh, Peter took this up in Acts, Acts 3.19. Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. Why is it necessary? Because Jesus said so. And that's as good a reason as you'll get in the whole of Scripture. Why is it necessary? Because Jesus said it was necessary. If we are to escape eternal hell, Scripture teaches about we must be converted. Jesus spoke more about hell and punishment than he did about heaven. He told people the truth. He called hypocrites hypocrites. <laughs> he called sinners sinners. Look at Mark. Go back to Mark. Mark chapter 9. And he has a few verses there. 
<coughs> he's talking about entrapments. And he's talking about offending these little ones. And I think, quite honestly, some of these little ones are people who are weak in the faith. Not just little children. I think he's talking about people who are weak. Whose, whose faith is weak. And if we, as, as, as leaders and as Christians, offend these little ones, we're in danger. We're in danger. What does he say? Believe me, it is better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he were cast into the sea. If thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands and go to hell into the fire that never shall be quenched. Where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. Verse 45 It is better than having two feet to be cast into hell into the fire that never shall be quenched, where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. Verse 47. He repeats it again and again and again. He warns people that there is a hell. When he's talking to the leaders in his time, of the religious leaders, what does he say to them? You are of your father the devil. They were leading the people astray and he pointed to them and he said, you're of your father the devil and the lusts of your father will ye do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. And you're the, he's your father. The devil's your father. We were born in sin and shaped in iniquity. We're born sinners. Bound for hell. Today we don't want to disturb people. We have to be non-confrontational. We do not use scriptural language about hell. And been lost. Therefore we have Alpha Courses and the Doctrines of Willow Creek where we don't use Biblical language. We try to make it easy for people. But we have to tell them. They're lost. We all want to be liked. I want to be liked. Nobody, there's nobody here doesn't want to be liked. We all like to be liked. But Jesus was prepared to tell people as it really was. It is not easy. I know it's not. I, I don't find it a little bit easy. I'm no good at it. To tell someone that they are bound for a lost eternity. Remember learning a little thing in Sunday school, wrote down to lose a fond heaven, to gain a dread hell, to perish, what is it? There's no one can tell. No one can tell you the horribleness of being cut off from God. Where there is no good. Nothing good. Just everything evil. No good people. Look at Matthew 10.
Jesus was speaking to his disciples. And he said you should expect persecution. You should expect it. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils, and they will scourge you in their synagogues. And ye shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what ye shall speak, for it shall be given you in the same hour what ye shall speak. For it is not ye that speak, but the Spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. Listen to this. And the brother shall deliver up the brother to death, and the father the child, and the children shall rise up against their parents, and cause them to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But he that endures to the end shall be saved. But when they persecute you in this city, flee ye into another. For verily I say unto you, ye shall not have gone over the cities of Israel till the Son of Man be come. The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master. That's what we want to be. As his master. And the servant as his Lord. If they, if they have called the master of the house Beelzebub. How much more shall they call them of his household? Jesus says if we confess him before men him will I confess before my father which is in heaven do you want to be confessed before God in heaven by the Lord Jesus Christ we have to be like him as him I don't know whether you saw question time on, on television the other night uh, on channel uh, BBC one but they have a question time, it comes on about half ten at night, and it, it's, it's a, a forum with a couple of politicians, a few others. Well, Anne Atkins, I mentioned Anne Atkins a few weeks ago, the, 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 the girl who spoke uh, out on BBC a few times. And, uh, but she was on the panel, and the question came up about this uh, new bishop. And she spoke out scripturally, the little guy beside her said, oh, the Bible says this and such about uh, various rules and regulations which were in Leviticus. And she said, you know, that was all fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And she tried to put over scriptural reasoning. And she was just ignored. They didn't let her speak. I don't think there was one in the audience who spoke up in favor of what she was saying. It won't be easy, yet uh, I have to admire her. She, she persevered, but she hadn't a hope. She hadn't a hope. You will be hated for my name's sake. That's what scripture says. She was just showing as a very live example of what Jesus was saying here. They just laughed her to scorn. Made a mockery of the whole thing. We live in a very evil world. And the world has invaded the church. 
That's the sad thing. And our Christian lives. I was in a church a while ago. I was just talking about it the other day. And the little girl in front of me was in the middle of the service. She was reading a Harry Potter book. Couldn't believe it. It's a cultic. You raise our heads. If you raise your heads above the parapet, you'll be sniped at. Sadly, you won't only be sniped at by, by, by the, the non-Christians outside. You'll be sniped at by many people within the church as well. Quite happy with the status quo, most people. They don't want, they want to know the truth. They don't want to hear it. But the world needs to be converted. That's the thing. Needs to be converted. Turning from their evil ways. Zechariah 1.4 Be ye not as your fathers, unto whom the former prophets have cried. Zechariah is saying, The fathers spoke to your fathers. Thus said the Lord of hosts, Turn ye now from your evil ways, and from your evil doings. But they did not hear, nor hearken unto me, saith the Lord. And that's the trouble. People won't listen. People don't want to be converted. God still says that. The world needs to be converted. But the people, they did not hear, nor hearken unto me. Man needs to be converted and needs to be made aware of that. And the reason why it is necessary. You know, someday every man out there will have to meet God. We all have to meet God someday. Today we may meet him as a loving Heavenly Father. Our friends can meet him as a loving Heavenly Father who wants to save them. Who sent his son to die for them. Or we shall meet him at the great white throne of judgment. When it will be too late. Look at Revelation 20, 14. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Hebrews 9, 27, it says, It is appointed unto man once to die, and after death, the judgment. The second death. The second death. The judgment. When man will be cast into hell. It's horrific. Terrific. Christians only die once. We only die once. But non Christians die twice. We all die physically. You know, when the, the cold, icy fingers of death come to take us. And unless the Lord comes and takes us away in the rapture, we, we, we will all die. We all die. And no one likes the thought of dying. I don't mind uh, the, the actual... I look forward to dying because I'll be with the Lord, but the actual process of dying, nobody looks forward to. Death will come. We must face it with our good shepherd or we face it alone. That's, that's the horrible truth. We are going down the valley one by one with our faces toward the setting of the sun. 
Down the valley where the mournful cypress grows, where the stream of death in silence onward flows. We're all going down that valley. But for the Christian, it's the valley of the shadow of death. Shadows don't hurt you. Shadows don't hurt you. You're going down the valley of the shadow of death. But for the unsaved, they're going down the valley of death. We are going down the valley one by one. Friendly neighbor, you and I will there have none. But a heavenly hand will guide us lest we fall. Christ is going down the valley with us all. If we're Christians. You know, there are some, John Stott and others, who will have us believe that the unsaved will be annihilated. That we'll be wiped out when we die. Eat, drink and be merry for tomorrow we die and that's it. Snuffed out. That's what the world believes in any case. But that's a deceit. Jesus came to deliver us from hell. He suffered the punishment due to us for our sins. That punishment that if we had had to bear it, we have, we'd, be, we'd be in hell. But he bore that punishment for you and for me. Not for us to be annihilated. Man in Genesis, it says, God made man a living soul. God made man a living soul. Our soul will live on and on and on. And it'll either live in heaven or it'll live in hell. That's the, the truth about it. Just as Christians will spend eternity with our Lord and Savior, so sadly will the lost be in hell. Though where the doctrine was changed, that said hell is not a place of fire and eternal torment. It is. It is. Someday they may discover unless they repent. You know, we've all met people who are moral, upright citizens, admired by their peers at business straight up and down the line, generous in their giving to charities, in their love for their families. And then we've all met the other type, haven't we? Cheats. People preying on society. Enjoying themselves to the full. Not worried about anybody else. We read about these pedophiles. But they're both the same. Unless they're converted. Unless they're converted. They're both on the road to hell. It's frightening. Oh, God, give us strength to do something about it. It matters not. They all need to be converted. You know, we meet people who have been converted from becoming from being Catholics to becoming Protestants or from some cult into some denomination. We've all met people who were moving around, converted from one thing to another. But that doesn't save them. We have to be converted and reconciled to God and the only way we can be reconciled to God is through the Lord Jesus Christ 
saved, converted through the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ who died for each one of us. Like that man digging into the scriptures, discovering the truth, the rock, the rock of ages on which he could found his faith and trust on the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the start of our Christian life. And unless we're, we're building on that foundation, we need to make sure we get it right at the start. And not just this easy believism which we, we come across so often. Finished. May God give us wisdom and knowledge and courage and strength to order our lives in accordance with his holy word.